Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I am joined by Mark Schindler. We have Danielle Lehman producing this show. We're going to start in the ATL where the Hawks beat the Pistons 118-113. to A great first half from Cade Cunningham. Then the second half, it's Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Yeah, this game was it was fun, but in an ugly way. Uh, I think both these teams are really trying to find what their identities are going to be this year. And I think... Uh, the Hawks are showing more signs of life defensively than than they did at, at really any point last year. Um, Cade, as you mentioned, was really good in the first half. At 22 in the first half, was kind of getting anything he wanted on switches, getting to the rim, getting to his pull-up, getting his threes, uh, got, it, got to the line a little bit too. But then the Hawks were really able to kind of key in on him a little bit. Uh, they really didn't have to worry about anybody outside of Bojan Bogdanovic today. Uh, Sadiq had a couple of nice drives, but for the most part, they were able to really get in on him. And I mean, John Collins had a chase down block on Cade towards the end of the game that ended up being sort of the game decider uh, that allowed them to get, go up two possessions instead of just by one. Um, and like you mentioned with DeJounte, like his defensive fit overall, I think they're still kind of finding the offense, but um, he had some huge plays stripping Cade late. Uh, had a block shot on Bojan towards the end of the game as well. Continues to just look really exciting with with this team. Yeah, between Murray and uh, Justin Holiday, it's like they have defensive depth on the perimeter. It's weird, but nice to see from Atlanta. Yeah, and we're still trying to – I think DeAndre Hunter had a little bit of an off-and-on game. Um, I thought he did some good things, but still trying to find more of you know doing things a little bit quicker. He ended up fouling out tonight. Um but Clint Capella, man, like one of the things that has me excited about this team, Clint Capella had a really slow start to the season last year and the year before. This year, not so much. Uh, the box score isn't anything crazy, but the four blocks all came in the second half. He was dominant in starting to shut down the driving lanes that that Kate had found in the first half um, and continues to be a, a, a massive defensive force for them, which is essential for if, if they're really going to find things. And shout out to Onyeka Kongu too. Uh, his Plus minus was absolute dog shit tonight, but he played a lot better than I think you'd expect out of that. Interested to see how they keep integrating him. 
Yeah, they had 12 blocks. <laughs> That's a lot of blocks. Uh, four for Collins, four for Capella. They also both had 10-plus uh, rebounds. I mean, the bigs are holding it down for Atlanta. Atlanta's, I guess, overall identity, they're still trying to find it. But do you like what you're seeing so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it feels a little bit my turn, your turn, trying to find the offense between DeJounte and Trey. I think they're trying to stagger it more with bench lineups. Um, I mean, Trey, again, though, like he, he really took over down the stretch. I think, like you mentioned with the identities, I'm a little bit saying disappointed in, in Detroit. Feels a little far considering how young of a team they are. But I was expecting their defense to be further ahead than it is right now. I think that they picked it up a little bit in the second half, but – Especially in that fourth quarter, I felt Trey uh, was really able to get to them. And they had no real answer for John Collins. I mean, John was fantastic attacking off of offensive rebounds that, that Clint got and kicked back out. Um, they really didn't have anybody who could just match up with a true forward size guy. Um, so I'm looking to see Detroit really lean into that as well. I mean, their front court is still small. It's Bogdanovich, Bay, Stewart, and then, you know, Cunningham. I guess you can consider Cade maybe a bigger guy in the. Uh, no, he he can he at least has the size that he can impact in the interior at, at some point. Uh, and uh, Jalen Duran's probably not going to be there yet. But uh, he was good tonight, though, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he continues to have fun flashes. But I agree, yeah, he's a little ways off. Yeah, and you know who knows how different this game would be if Sadiq Bay hit at least that first free throw there at the end. Uh, you know, it gave him a chance that didn't go well. But he, um, you know, th- this Detroit team. They're gonna get they're gonna get good nights from Bojan Bogdanovich. Obviously, things run for, through Cade. They're obviously after trading Jeremy Grant. There just isn't that secondary guy yet, and it still kind of changes night to night. Yeah, yeah, and they definitely missed Jaden Ivey tonight. I think that would have given them a dynamic that could have really eviscerated some things in the half court. Um, but agreed. Like, I mean, Killian Hayes, try as he might, there was a uh, not a lot going for him offensively tonight. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. That's out and running. Irving. Simmons didn't even look at the basket, but that's a good decision to get it to KD, who gets it to fall. All right, let's head over to Brooklyn, where the Bucks won 110-99 to over the Nets. Uh, Giannis, 43 points, 14 boards, 5 assists, 3 blocks, 1 steal. So a normal Giannis night, essentially. <laughs> uh, that is that good? I think that's good. I've heard that's good. Um, it's just good dude. though with Giannis. It's not like it's not great. Any other player in the league, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" But with Giannis, it's like, oh, another good night for Giannis. You also forgot the most important part of the box score: uh, forced a double technical on uh, on Steve Nash. <laughs> uh, some say that he's still screaming in, in the bowels of, of Barclays Center. Um, yeah, that that performance from from Giannis overall was was pretty unreal. I thought in the first half. I mean, Brooklyn held uh, the. The, the Bucks the 43 points in that first half. And a lot of that was shutting down some stuff that Giannis had going, uh, forcing him to pick up the ball early, earlier than they than they wanted him to. Um, and then in the second half, I mean, he's starting his drives from outside the arc in the slot. Uh, the stuff he was doing in transition was just kind of otherworldly. Um, I, I think it, it was very much so one of those nights watching him 
where you just kind of have to sit back and go like, you know, it, it feels routine watching Giannis put up 35, 40 points. But then tonight was one of those nights for me watching a national game where it's like, it's, it's just special. Like there was not a lot you could do against it. Um, we can definitely talk about Ben Simmons and some of the things he could have done differently. And I mean, this whole team in general, to be fair. But um, this was a, yeah, really, really rough second half for the Nets. All right, you, you teed up Ben Simmons. Let's get into Ben Simmons. It's just fascinating. And we we obviously have to have patience with this guy. It's been a while since he's played basketball. He needs time to get acclimated. But when Kyrie Irving is literally yelling, shoot at Ben, when he kind of, I mean, he kind of fumbled it towards Ben. It wasn't like it was a clean drop off, but that was really shocking. But I want to read off a quick quote here from Kyrie after the game. You guys keep coming in here asking me, like, what about Ben? He hasn't played in two years. Give him. Give him a fucking chance. We stay on his shit. You just stay on him. But we're here to give him positive affirmations. I'm a little confused by the gra grammar in that one. But point taken. Point taken. Kyrie is calling him out. But Kyrie's also got his back. Yeah. I personally, I love that quote. As much as like Kyrie, Kyrie quotes can be a, a mixed bag. But I was, I was a fan of that one. Um, the biggest thing that I had was like, I just wanted him to pick up Giannis earlier. I think if you give Giannis any chance to, to generate ahead a, a of steam, you're asking for trouble. Um, they ended up moving Ben off the ball, letting him uh, dig it, dig it, Giannis's handle, and Kyrie was really good playing up in his handle. But they waited until like way later in the game to do that. Um, offensively, what's difficult is it was a two for seven game, and you can legitimately say like this was Ben's most aggressive game. Um, I, I do think he did some positive things, but again, it's like I mean that shot was clearly like that's something you have to take. It's really hard to get the most out of playmaking without taking shots routinely that are there for you um and i mean like like you said too it's it's a waiting period like he didn't play basketball for two years um he had back surgery like it's not like it was just like he he was just sitting around doing nothing like i'm not trying to be giving him too much leeway but at the same point he he deserves a pretty decent amount of it so um yeah this team overall is is in a very rough spot and they kind of need things to to work out sooner than later and and he did have nine assists. It wasn't like it wasn't like he did nothing. It was at least a Draymond level box score where there was at least one column that looked pretty decent. And I mean, the thing with Simmons is Simmons is basically supposed to be the four, but he's not quite there yet. Um, I don't think his I don't think it's really clear what his role is offensively. And so he's just kind of like he's stuck mucking it up in the lanes a lot. And it's pot. You know, they could. They could find a way to make that work, but it's going to take a lot of practice and a lot of kind of break-in period for them to figure out, like, how can we make spacing work when we got somebody clogging the lane? Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it's fair, fair to point possible. out. Yeah, it's fair to point out, too. Like, I mean, the, the, the Bucks didn't shoot particularly well from three either, but that's where seven of 27. We're not going to see that happen routinely. Kyrie just rarely has those 0 for 7 nights from three. Um, that definitely played a part. But like you mentioned, the spacing overall is weird. Uh, it's tough because Nick Claxton has been really good to start the year, but having Claxton and Simmons on the court together, I mean, you have KD and, and Kyrie were getting double teamed every single time they came inside the arc because you don't have to worry about either of Nick or Ben. So um, finding those lineups and, and finding out how they can really find better spacing uh, is going to be really key for this team moving forward. Last game we're going to get into here is Toronto going into Philly and getting the win 119 to 109. The Sixers continue to not be able to get it done. I mean, Embiid and Maxi both had 31, but their defense is not getting it done. Yeah, I think legitimately if you take away just half the transition opportunities that the Raptors got in this game, I think the Sixers 
or, or at least tied. And that's a reductive way to look at it. But it just felt like in watching the amount of notes that I wrote of Toronto just beat the brakes off them getting getting down court like it happened every time. If there was a missed three, they had a four on two advantage like it was it was nuts to watch. And I mean, the biggest thing that I take away from this continuing Pascal Siakam's a superstar, man. Like this is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. Um, the passing leap that he's making, like he's been a good passer, but now he's really hitting this point where if he draws a double, like it's kind of over, like he's gotten to a point where he can manipulate defenses. We saw that tonight. We've seen it throughout the the, the season so far. Um, he was pretty nutty from three to start the game went four four to start. Um, you just see like, I mean, what he does as a driver of the basketball, he's not Giannis, obviously nobody's Giannis, but he brings his own kind of guile and pacing to it with uh, with really otherworldly passing that I think was huge in setting up what they did tonight and picking apart the Sixers' defense. Yeah, long-ass dude with uh, high shoulders yet low, low-ish center of gravity. That's a, that's a rare feat. You know, somebody that he can release the ball so high up there, but then he can also, like, he can make spin moves. He can, he can do all these little hezzies to get into his mid-range pull-ups, and all of it's clicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, shout-out to talking about somebody clicking, like, Gary Trent Jr. had the best game of his se- best game of his season tonight, eleven to sixteen from the floor, five to ten from deep. It felt like every opportunity there was for him to hit a big shot, they did. Every time that the Sixers started to drag back in, close what was always almost always a a, 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 t- a double digit advantage. Um, he was able to, to hit a big shot that kept them in it. He had some really solid defense on James Harden throughout the night as well. Um, you know, there were Harden had some good moments, but he really struggled with the length that they were able to present with him with Fred Van Vliet and, and Gary on him too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you can take one positive away from the Sixers, it's at least that Joel is starting to look like himself again, at least offensively. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of at a loss for where this team is at right now, man. I'm not saying that it's time to, to start up the fire doc chance, but um, the way that things are looking in the half court offensively and defensively, just in general, I'm uh, this is this is not the start that you wanted for the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, I don't think Joel got booed tonight, so at least there's that. <laughs> that is something. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna get out of here before anyone boos us. He's Mark Schindler. She's Danielle Lehman. I am Jared Weiss. We'll see you next time on the Dig. Ding ding, y'all.